This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with a trip back to 1950 for an episode of Dimension X. It was not until the 50s that science fiction radio really hit its stride, even as science fiction was beginning to appear on television as well. Radio programs such as Mutual's 2000 Plus and NBC's Dimension X were anthology series that offered a variety of exciting tales of future technology with a special focus on space exploration, including alien invasion. The acquisition of previously published sci-fi stories immediately gave Dimension X a strong standing within the scientific fiction community, as did the choice of well-established, respected writers in the field. Isaac Asimov, Robert Block and Ray Bradbury, Kurt Vonnegut, to name just a few. Tonight's episode's entitled, With Folded Hands. Adventures in Time and Space. Told in future tense. Dimension Have you ever heard of the Mark III? The amazing electronic brain they're using now up at Harvard University. In mere minutes, it can solve scientific problems that our most brilliant mathematicians would take years to work out. Its intelligence is almost superhuman. And yet the scientists are already working on a new and improved model, the Mark IV. In fact, they tell us there's no earthly reason why these thinking robots can't be perfected until they become the servants of the future, capable of doing all the work of mankind. That's what the advertising billboard said in the year 2006. Housework made easy by the perfect domestic servant. Modern Mechanicals Agency, Harry Underhill, President. The billboard showed a smiling family, sitting with folded hands, watching their mechanical robot pour their morning coffee. But in the home of Harry Underhill himself, things weren't quite as pleasant at breakfast this day. I just can't understand it, Aurora. Look at this. Modern mechanicals down, three points. Yesterday, Smithson canceled his order. If I could only figure out why. Why don't you ask him? Well, Frank, you eat your oatmeal. Oh, Mom. I just don't understand it. Business was good, and then boom. Some louse must be undercutting my prices, that's all. How many robots were canceled? Not robots. Mechanicals, Aurora. How many times... They are robots, aren't they? Please, Aurora. There's an important difference in sales psychology. Maybe people are getting wise to your robots and mechanicals. What do you mean, Aurora? The perfect domestic servant. (laughs) 
They're ugly, stupid, clumsy, walking junk pile. Aurora. The one you brought home to me can't even wash the clothes properly. It's more trouble than it's worth. Aurora. You know, our mechanicals are the best on the market. Those animated tin cans you sell? They're certainly not making us any fortune. Well, with this new model, things are bound to pick up a little. That Jarvis order just comes through. Oh, that robot of yours. There's something knocking again. Hey, wait, wait. Put that plate back. I haven't finished my breakfast yet. Wait. Harry, you know you've got to say stop. 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 <sighs> you always get excited. You think you never saw a robot before. Not robot. Mechanical. All right, all right. Look, it's not its fault. We just took too long to eat. Timing relay is set for 15 minutes. Well, never mind. I want my coffee back. Set. Set. There. Isn't that simple? Bends at the waist, stretches out its arm, and picks up the coffee pot just as if it were your... Hey, watch out! I'm still just right in your lap! Oh, Mike, please, Sue, the roar! Oh, no! Harry, you know it's relayed to announce dinner after it sets the table. Hey, there goes my coffee again. Stop! Stop! Set! Harry, you can't give it two orders at once. What's that smell? It must be a short. Now see what you've done. Got it all upset. I did. All I said was... Stop! 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 Oh, it's no use. The brain coil shorted out. Oh, do something! Hurry, do something! Me, I sure will. I'm going to the office. I'm getting out of here. Yes, Lizzie? Mr. Jarvis, I... Oh, put him on. Hello, Mr. Jarvis. I'm glad you called. I was just going to ring you. Well, I've got that whole shipment of mechanicals for you. One gross plane, a dozen of the chromium fitted. Hold on, Andale. I'm canceling the order. You're ca- But the invoice is made out and well, I... Well, tear it up. I'm canceling. But why? Underhill, there's a brand new mechanical on the market that makes yours look like something out of a museum. Oh, now, look here, Mr. Oh, Jarvis. Don't look me, Underhill. I've seen them, and I'm telling you it'll put you out of business. Goodbye. Goodbye. Underhill? Uh, that's the third cancellation today. The world's going to pot. Yes, Mr. Underhill? Hmm? No, never mind, Lucy. I'm going home. Holiday. I wonder if Aurora would smell it on me if I ducked into Garrigan's. She's got a nose like a beagle. Hey! Our building wasn't here last week. Humanoid Institute. The perfect mechanical. Oh, no. We didn't have enough competition. Hey, these must be the cutthroats that are underselling me. At your service, Mr. Underhill. Huh? Oh, oh you startled me. <laughs> didn't hear you. Hey, you're a mechanical, aren't you? Not bad, not bad. Very lifelike. Won't you come in, please, and examine our service? Well, that's a remarkable voice. They've licked the variable inflection problem. You know, I'm in the same line myself. Of mechanicals, I mean. We're aware of that, sir. Oh? Oh. Hey, some building you've got here. You sure got it up in a hurry. The Humanoid Institute at your service, Mr. Underhill. Yes? Oh, uh, how'd you know my name? For us, that was not difficult. Oh, is that so? <laughs> Wait a minute. This is ridiculous, talking to a mechanical. Must be somebody inside operating you by remote control. No, Mr. Underhill. Of course, there is Humanoid Central, which powers and controls all of us, but that is located on Wing 4. 
Wing 4? A planet in a remote part of the galaxy. Oh, oh yeah. Well, uh, may I see your salesman, please? We employ no human salesman, sir. We ourselves can accept your order for immediate humanoid service. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't expect me to buy one. I'm in the business myself. There will be no more need for your electronic mechanicals, sir. Once you have accepted our service, you will no longer have to work. Everything will be done for you. Everything? <laughs> That's quite an offer. At that rate, you'll have trouble supplying the demand. I think not, sir. As you can see from our storage room. Humanoids are now arriving at the rate of 5,000 per hour from Wing 4. 5,000 per hour? We are anxious to introduce our complete service on this planet, sir. To bring happiness to everyone. May we come out to your home for a free trial demonstration? No, I... Oh, I admit you're remarkable. The, the voice and movement, graceful even. But I'm still in business. And what's more, I wouldn't have you around the house. I'm afraid you will have no choice. Sooner or later, it will be necessary. Oh, is that so? Over my dead body, let me out of here. At your service, Mr. Underhill. Hmm. That's well, going to be tough competition, all right. I'm going to stop in at Garrigan's, the devil with a roarer's nose. Oh, hi, Pop. Hello, Frank. How was the football game? We won. 78 to 3. Guess what, Pop? You made all the touchdowns. Nope. Mom took in a board. He took... He what? Aurora! She said if your business was going to fall on its face, she had to do something to make some money. Oh, no, she did, huh? Harry, what's all the racket for? You, you tell me. What's this about a board? Shh, Harry. He's going to live in that little apartment over the garage. Oh, no, he isn't. You know I don't want any strangers around here. Oh, Harry, please. Shh. Look, he won't bother you. He's a nice old man. Oh. He just wanted a room and a place to work. He's an inventor, I think. Oh, he is, is he? Did he pay in advance? Well, he can't. You see, his mm -hmm. royalties haven't started to come in. Mm-hmm. Aurora, how can you be taken in by every beat-up old panhandler that gives you a sob story? Oh, Mr. Sledge isn't like that at all. Oh, that reminds me, dear. Can you give me a ten? A ten? What for? Well, Mr. Sledge is ill. He needs some medicine for his heart, and I said I'd lend him the money. You did? Oh, Aurora, this is the limit. He goes out right now. Now, don't be unkind, Harry. Besides, we need the rent money. Things aren't that bad yet. He goes. Please, shh. What are you shushing me for? Mr. Sledge, he's in the next room. I've invited him for dinner. Mm. Frank, dear, wipe him off. Oh, Mom. More gravy, Mr. Sledge? No, thank you, Mrs. Underhill. Mr. Sledge, my wife tells me you're a traveling man. Uh, expect to move on soon? Harry. I had hoped to do a little work, Mr. Underhill. You see, I've applied for basic patents here on Earth for a very important development. Oh, a new invention, huh? Yes. My field is rhodomagnetics. Rhodo what? Rhodomagnetics. It's a new force field theorem, key to the second triad of the periodic table. Rhodium, ruthenium, and palladium. I'm afraid I'm a little rusty on my science. It's well known in other parts of the galaxy, but I've been able to apply for basic patents here. Worth uh, millions, huh? 
perhaps you find it strange that the holder of such valuable property should be in need. Well, uh, yes. I'm a refugee, Mr. Underhill. I arrived on this planet only a few days ago. Mm-hmm. But you will be uh, shoving on again. Oh, for goodness sakes, Harry. That's all right, Mrs. Underhill. I understand. After all, I am an intruder in your home. It inconveniences you at all. I'll find some other place to sleep and set up my workshop. Oh, Harry, your robot is spilling the coffee again. I'll have to have it tightened up. Why doesn't your company bring out a better mechanical? One smart enough not to spill things. Wouldn't that be splendid? The perfect mechanical already exists, Mrs. Underhill. They're not so splendid, really. They are why I am a refugee today. Oh? Where did you say you came from? Wing 4. Wing 4? Oh, then you must mean those humanoids. Humanoids? Mr. Sledge. Humanoids? What do you know about them? They just opened an agency here in Two Rivers. No. No. <gasps> Harry. What is it? Well, what's wrong, Mr. Slade? Give him some water. It must be his heart. Call, call Dr. Windows, Aurora. No, no. I'll be all right. Here, you better sit down. I'm sorry, it was just a shock. I came here to get away from them. The humanoids? Yes. I wanted to finish my work before they came. But now, I won't trouble you any further. But, Mr. Sledge, Harry, he's sick. Well, uh, Mr. Sledge, I don't think you'll have to go right away. Oh, he can stay, Harry. Sure, after all, the way those humanoids are coming along, I'm liable to become a refugee myself any minute. <laughs> Guess we might as well stick together, eh, Sledge? Oh, that's better. Oh, you look ill, Professor. Maybe you ought to lie down on the sofa and rest. No, no, thank you. I must get back to my workshop now. I haven't got time to rest. There's so little time left for all of us. Good morning, Mr. Underhill. Good morning. Mr. Underhill, you look awful. I feel awful. What's in the mail? Six more cancellations. Mm. The Eat Quick restaurant chain sent back your shipment. They've installed humanoids. <laughs> Mr. McIntyre from the bank called. He's refusing your loan. He said since Humanoid Institute opened, you're a bad credit risk. Good. I guess that's all. Oh, there's somebody. Something to see you. At your service, Mr. Underhill. You? Oh, no, you're not the same one, are you? Serial number's different. It doesn't matter, sir. We're all really one. Now, in exchange for our complete service, you will assign all your property to Humanoid Institute. I will what? With our service, you will have no need for property. Everything will be provided. What kind of blackmail is this? No blackmail, sir. You will find humanoids incapable of committing any crime. We exist only to increase the happiness of mankind. Thanks, but I can take care of my own business. You have no choice, really. With humanoid service, it is no longer necessary for men to take care of themselves. Our function is to serve and obey and guard men from harm. Get out. Very well, sir. When you wish to sign, let us know. Get out. Get out. Roy, I'm home. At your service, Mr. Underhill. What? What's the idea of this? 
You get out of here. Aurora! Mrs. Underhill has accepted our free trial demonstration. We cannot leave unless she requests... We'll see about that. Aurora, where the devil are you? Oh, hello, Harry. What's this mechanical doing... What's happened to you? Isn't it wonderful? I had my hair done, the manicure. Uh, The humanoid did it. And cleaned the house all over, washed all the clothes, and gave Frank his music lesson. Now, wait a minute, Aurora. I... I won't... Have this monster in my house. Oh, it's just a free trial, Harry. Just wait till you taste the dinner it cooked. Everything you like best, roast duck. I don't care if he cooked a... Duck? And the most complicated pastries. I could never cook like that. Oh, uh, well, might as well eat. So I'll need a drink first, though. All right, I'm sorry, it. sir. What? We exist under the prime directive to guard men from harm. Alcoholic beverages in excess are bad for human consumption. We have taken the liberty of removing them from the house. Now, look here. Mr. Underhill, dinner is served. Yes, Lucy? I've been expecting them for a week. All right, Lucy. At your service, Mr. Underhill. We have the legal papers here, the bankruptcy forms, the eviction notice. We are ready now to foreclose your agency. Okay, take it over. A lot of good it'll do you. I haven't made a sale in two weeks. And now, if you will make the assignment of all your personal property, we can complete our service to you. What if I won't sign? That would be unfortunate. But with stubborn cases, we must sometimes resort to other methods. Eventually, Mr. Underhill, you will sign. Of all the darn, 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 stinking giant... Whoa, 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 Frank, what's the matter? What's the trouble, son? That old humanoid. Oh, you're not happy? You should be. It's guaranteed. They took away my football. They said it was too dangerous to play with it. And my roller skates and my scout knife and everything. Did they leave you anything? Just some stinking old plastic blocks. Soft blocks. They said I couldn't get hurt with them. Dad, I want my football back. Can't you do anything? I don't know, son. I don't know. somebody working with his hands. Something wrong? My son. The humanoids took his football away. They're everywhere. They've smashed my business, taken over my house. Sledge isn't there some way to get rid of them? That is exactly what I am trying to do. You? What makes you think you can do anything? Because, you see, Mr. Underhill... I'm the unfortunate fool who started them. You... I don't understand. I started the humanoids. And I've been running from them ever since. You started them? Yes. I invented them. I built the ronomagnetic relays that operate Humanoid Central. But... But why? I... I wanted to bring happiness to humanity. <laughs> happiness? <laughs> My wife's been crying for two days. And do you know why? Because she's bored stiff. There's nothing left for her to do. 
They won't even let her lift a little finger. I don't blame you for feeling bitter, Mr. Underhill. It's all my fault. I wanted them to serve and obey God, men from harm. No, they do that all right. They've even emptied our medicine chest. It wouldn't do for one of us happy humans to end it all with a sleeping pill. Mr. Underhill, I've made the most terrible mistake a man can make. But I meant well, believe me. Then why did you do it? I thought I could rid the universe of poverty and hunger by inventing the perfect mechanical. Uh, they're perfect, all right. Too perfect. Yes. That's the trouble. They obey the prime directive too literally. They kill men's souls with their kindness. Uh, isn't there some way they can be controlled? No. I didn't trust mankind, so I made sure that humanoid central could not be tampered with. Not even by myself. Uh, then, then what hope is there? Only one. They are not creative. They can't meet new ideas. You mean you've got one, Sledge? Yes. They can defeat anything they know about. But I've got something new. A weapon to attack the brain of humanoid central. Is that what you've been working on? Yes. Now that they're here, there's little time left. Either we destroy them, or they will destroy us. Okay. What has to be done? This tuning circuit. Mm -hmm. You see, I need two bus bars here. Mm -hmm. Oh, can you read these diagrams? I think so. Got my degree in electronics. Good. If you could help on the bench work, it would save time. Uh -huh. I've got plenty of time now. All right. But watch yourself. Don't let them see you come out here. If you can take the risk, so can I. No. As the inventor, I built a special immunity for myself and the humanoid central. But you don't have that immunity. They're rather unpleasant methods of dealing with their enemies. They can change you, you know. Change me? How? Brain surgery. What do you mean? Never mind. Just be careful. <laughs> Mr. Underhill. Hmm? Uh, what do you want? You're going to meet with Mr. Sledge. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to collect the rent. Mr. Underhill, you have spent the past two afternoons in his room. In view of your association with Mr. Sledge, we feel that our free trial must be terminated. We suggest that you accept our total service and make the assignment of your property immediately. And if I don't? Then, sir, we may be forced to resort to other methods. Well... Uh, give me one more day to think it over. Very well, sir. Tomorrow. That will be your last chance. Who is it? Underhill. Did they see you? No, not today. Sledge, we've got to hurry. It's difficult work, Mr. Underhill, but I'm almost finished. They gave me till today. They said they'd use other methods. What's that? The humanoids building some kind of a warehouse across the road. Sledge, are you sure this will work? The new principle under here. A tuned rotomagnetic light beam. It should act to fission the heavy atoms of the basic ores of windfall. Will destroy humanoid sense. But are you sure? I know the humanoids. I made them. They can't invent anything. They can't create defenses against something you 
It's finished, Anaila. You going to use it now? Immediately. Now I have to feed the astronomical data into the calculating circuits. There must be zero error in focusing. What will happen? Wing 4 will disappear in a chain reaction. Humanoid Central will be destroyed. So stop. Ready now. Stand clear, please. Power's building up. Step on the brother Matthew's under your feet. You must be shielded when I cut in the full power load. Maurice Lynch. I've waited 30 years for this moment, Andrew. When Wing 4 is destroyed, the humanoids all over the galaxy will stop. They'll stop dead. You won't hear those drills. Lynch. All right. Anything? Sledge. Listen. The drills have stopped. They've stopped. You can see them. The humanoids have stopped. They couldn't guard against something they couldn't understand. It worked on their own. We're free now. Goodbye, Wing Four. Humanoid Central is destroyed. At your service, Mr. Underhill. No, Sledge. Get out of here. Get out. You were attempting to break the prime directive. It is therefore necessary to interfere. But you, you stopped. I saw you, all of you. In order to guard against Mr. Sledge's beam, it was necessary to stop all units momentarily to concentrate power. That necessity has passed. But it was new. You can't invent anything new. No, sir, but we were able to adapt the screening principle you yourself invented. For the past 30 years, Humanoid Central has been screened against any energy attack. All these years. Waste. All these years? Your immunity has ended, Mr. Sledge. It will now be necessary for you to accept our full service. No. No, I'll stop you. I'll stop all of you. No, I'll stop you with my bare hands. I'll kill you. No, it's no use. Do not worry, Mr. Underhill. At worst, he can destroy one unit. There are millions more. Sledge, you'll hurt yourself. Sledge, I'll kill him. I... He's sick his heart. You, get a doctor. Until he surrenders, we can neither aid nor hinder Mr. Sledge. Do you surrender your immunity, Mr. Sledge? Have to. Last chance. Gone. Yes, yes. Help me. Help me. At your service, Mr. Sledge. You may see Mr. Sledge now, Mr. Underhill. Alone? If you wish. In here. Thanks. Sledge. Well, well, Underhill. Good to see you. Your head. It's Spanish. Is it really? They've done something to you. Are you all right? Oh, fine, fine. Never felt better. You never felt better? No. In fact, I feel ten years younger today. You sound so... so happy. Why not? These humanoids have made a new man on the Underhill. They're wonderful, aren't they? Wonderful? How can you say that, Sledge? Only yesterday you hated them. You were trying to destroy them. 
Destroy them? Why? You don't remember? You've forgotten what they're doing to us all? They're killing us with kindness, taking away all our incentive and pride of accomplishment, turning us all into pampered, useless pets, parasites, with nothing left to do but just sit with folded hands at the mercy of these mechanical monsters. At your service, Mr. Underhill. You. You seem troubled, Mr. Underhill. Are you unhappy? Unhappy? You bet I'm unhappy. What have you done to Professor Sledge to turn him into this babbling idiot? We were forced to operate. For years, Mr. Sledge has been suffering from a benign tumor of the brain. It caused him to have hallucinations, to believe that he was actually the creator of the humanoid. Did I? Yes. It was these delusions which were making you unhappy. Oh. <laughs> well, whoever did invent the humanoid, I certainly owe him a debt of gratitude now. Sledge. You see, Mr. Underhill, we have ways to correct these abnormal conditions. Even Mr. Sledge is happy now. You operated on his brain? Yes, Mr. Underhill. And now we are at your service. At my service? You mean you're going to operate it? No. The time has come for you to accept and enjoy our complete service. You will now sign our agreement. Look here, I... If you are unhappy, it only takes a simple operation. No, no. Who said I was unhappy? I'm very happy. I'll sign your paper. You don't have to operate on me. I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy. <laughs> very happy. The happy Mr. Underhill's futile hand clenched and relaxed again and then folded quietly. There was nothing else left for them to do. You have just heard the Jack Williamson story with folded hands, an adventure in time, space, and the unknown world of the future, the world of... Dimension... Stay tuned for The Bob Hope Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Bob Hope Show and special guest, Judy Garland. Thank you so much. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Pepsodent Kid, Bob Hope. Still eating three meals a day with your teeth. <laughs> I'm a little tired tonight. I just got back from the Santa Anita Handicap. I would have been here sooner, but I stopped to have my barrel pressed. <laughs> Santa Anita, that's the outdoor version of you can't take it with you. <laughs> but really, it's beautiful out there, folks. The grass on the infield is gorgeous. After the fourth race, I had some of it for lunch. <laughs> I'm even large Santa Anita this year, and I want to tell you, the whole place is run just like a machine. A vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I've never seen so many people in one place. The crowds were so heavy, the pickpockets had to put on extra help. In fact, they were so busy, they wouldn't pick the pocket of a tweed suit. The fuzz slowed them up too much. <laughs> One pickpocket lifted my wallet and the list of the horses I was going to bet on. 
He took one look at the list, handed me back my wallet, and gave me an extra dollar for car fare. <laughs> and you should have seen the automobiles out there. I've never seen so many cars that look like the backyard of the finance company. <laughs> I hear Morgenthau wants to trade his job for the parking concession. <laughs> I came late and had to park at the end of the parking lot. In fact, uh, when I got out of my car, I found out I had paid a quarter to park in my own driveway. <laughs> they say it's hard to get back to town in traffic, but I fooled them. I left before the first race. I... No, I wish I had. Skinny gave me a tip on the handicap. He said the horse can't lose. The jockey's been eating garlic, and the horse will win trying to get away. <laughs> first time I ever saw a jockey ride a horse backwards. I said, what's the idea of riding a horse backwards? He said, I have to. It makes the horse nervous to have anyone look over his shoulder. <laughs> nice horse. Every once in a while, he'd look around to see if his plow was on straight. <laughs> he was so far behind, his tail showed in the photo finish. <laughs> Really, the jockey pulled him up so much, it's the first time I ever saw a horse finish with a bit under his tail. <laughs> I should have known better when I saw the jockey carrying an overnight bag. And now, and now, Bill Goodwin. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, our guest is that grand little star from MGM, Miss Judy Garland. And now, Skinny Ennis, our six hits of the Miss Swing Out with Could Be. Take it, talent. <laughs> Skinny, could be he'll sing of his own. Could be that yellow moon. It's just a big balloon. And not that yellow moon at all. Could be that angel face. It's something out of space. And not that angel face I love. Could be this heart of mine. It's just a valentine. And not this heart of mine at all. Could be a dream I see, but if you're asking me, could be I'm in love, could be. Santa Anita Derby last Saturday. Bill, that's Derby. The English say Derby and the Americans say Derby. Yeah, and the losers say nuts. Yeah. <laughs> 
that, Bob. I hear the owners of the horses out at Santa Anita sit in boxes that have their names on it. That's right, Bill. There's the Whitney box, the Vanderbilt box, Bradley, Astor. Yeah, well, what was the name of the box you were sitting in, Bob? A sun kiss. Uh, <laughs> say, how did you like that suit I had on? Suit? Where did you get that thing? It looked like it was cut down from a shroud. <laughs> Is that so? I'll have you know I was the best-dressed man at Santa Anita. I was a regular Bo Brummel. Hello, Bo. What do you hear from the other Brummel? <laughs> well, Patsy Kelly. Well, I saw you out of Santa Anita Saturday. Santa Anita? Clock machines with horses. <laughs> Why, Patsy, it's a privilege to go to a beautiful track like Santa Anita. Why, do you know what the name Santa Anita means? Oh, yes, I know. It's Spanish for hello, sucker. <laughs> Say, weren't you out there with Skinny and his brother? Yeah, the three of us hitchhiked out there. Didn't you, really? Didn't your thumbs get awfully tired? Oh, no, we didn't have to use our thumbs. We just waved Skinny's brother. <laughs> Well, tell me, is his brother that thin? Thin? Why, that guy has to wear snowshoes when he takes a bath so he won't slide down the drain. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Patsy. Skinny's brother isn't that skinny. Oh, no, listen. That guy is so thin, he just got himself a daytime job stuffing olives. Stuffing olives? Yeah, he crawls through the olives, dragging the pimento behind him. <laughs> Well, hiya, Skinny. Well, if it isn't Tremble Tonsil. Uh, hello, Patsy. Hello, Bated Breath. Say, why don't you inhale once and see how it feels to rough it? Now, listen, see here, Kelly. You can't talk to me like that. Don't forget, I'm a man, incidentally. Incidentally? You mean accidentally. Listen, Kelly. Before you say another word, just take a look at those bulging muscles. Muscles? Where? I don't see any muscles. Oh, God, I forgot to put them on tonight. <laughs> Say, Patsy, I, I heard that your family was out here for the big race. Yeah, they just got here from back east. Back east, huh? How are things in Pomona? Say, yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose they've been out to the studio to watch you make pictures. Yeah, they came out on the set and watched me um, work on my last picture. Say, I saw that picture, Patsy. Say, what were those swallows doing flying across the screen? Those weren't swallows. My father was sitting on one side of the set and the cuspidor was on the other. <laughs> What does your family think of our radio program? Well, I'll give you an idea. I just got a letter from my uncle back in Brooklyn. Really? What does he say? Oh, here it is. Dear Patsy, the Pestilence show is much improved. You're much better than you were. Skinny Ennis is much better, and Jerry Colonna is much improved. <laughs> well, doesn't he say anything about me? Oh, yes. Here. P.S. Hope you are the same. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Yeah, Bill. Now, how long was that big race last Saturday? Well, it was a mile and a quarter, Bill. Well, just what does that mean, Bob? Well, it means it was the horse's last mile and my last quarter. <laughs> oh, well, now, don't be discouraged, Bob. You know our motto, never say die. Never say die. Yeah, yeah. open to the Paramount Theater in New York tomorrow. And you plug up. <laughs> well, well, listen, if, die, you, yeah. um, if you ever get another quarter, I know lots of things to do with it. What, for instance, Bill? Well, for instance, Bob, for a quarter, you can get a tube of Pepsodent toothpaste. And that's the only toothpaste that contains irium. You know, irium is the lively agent that sparks up Pepsodent's cleansing power. Gently, safely, but ever so quickly, irium helps Pepsodent remove dingy surface stains from your teeth. Persuades your teeth to shine with natural brilliance. Brushing twice a day with Pepsodent plus irium is like spring cleaning your mouth. It gives you cleaner, brighter, smoother teeth and keeps them at high shining luster. The surefire recipe for a million-dollar smile is dazzling teeth. So why not invest a quarter now 
for a tube of Pepsodent toothpaste with Arium. And now may I present one of the most charming and talented members of Hollywood's younger generation, soon to be seen in The Wizard of Oz, MGM singing sensation Miss Judy Garland. Mr. Hope, I hope, I hope that you will not be cross. I hope that you won't think that I'm a boy. But when I heard you sing that lovely song to Shirley Ross, I knew that Gable didn't matter anymore. It had to be you. It had to be you. I looked all around and finally found marvelous you. For you are the one, say what you will. It had to be you, wonderful you, had to be you. My Judy, I I didn't know you felt this way about me. Mr. Hope, I I used to like Clark Gable and Robert Taylor, but but you're different. I know it, Judy. I've been told that before. (laughs) Gee, I... I've seen all your pictures, and I listen to you every time you're on the air, no matter what the rest of the family wants to hear. Well, I hardly know what to say. Imagine meeting my fan face to face. But, Mr. Hope, it's, it's not that. It's, it's deeper than that. You see, well, you're my crush. You're my dream man. You're my Prince Charming. Now, wait a minute, Snow White. <laughs> Let's not have a scene. After all, I may be just a passing fancy in your life. Oh, no, Mr. Hope. This is a real thing. It's lasted almost two whole days. <laughs> Gosh, and in Hollywood, too. <laughs> oh, you men are all alike. Always joking. Why, well, I don't think you even know what it means to have a crush on somebody. Oh, don't I? How do you think I felt last week when they told me Hedy Lamar to elope with someone else? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I suppose you feel you just ought to go out and jump off a cliff and end it all. Well, I want to have a long talk with Madeline Carroll first. <laughs> oh, well, ne- never mind them, Mr. Hope. I'm not like other girls. I'm willing to take you just as you are. Isn't that just too wonderful? (laughs) But, Judy, look, I'm flattered. I'm glad that you told me only... Only what? Well, do you think I'm your type? Oh, Mr. Hope, I I know I'm not worthy of you. But you don't have to love me right away. But, Judy, I mean, after all, I'm not exactly... Oh, I might have known it. Are you somebody else's crush? Well, not exactly, but, well, there there are some strings attached. Oh. Then you are someone else's crush. Well, I was, but she married me. Oh, gee, that's awful. But I can go right on having a crush on you, can't I? From a distance, I mean. Judy, with so many other handsome men in Hollywood, why did you have to pick on me? <laughs> well, you see, 
Mr. Hope, it was like this. First, I picked out Clark Gable to have a crush on. But I had too much competition. He didn't appreciate me. Oh, well, what could you expect from that tap dancer? <laughs> crush on Robert Taylor, but I guess I had too much competition there, too. And after Robert Taylor, all that was left was a choice between you and Tyrone Power. Tyrone Power. Beauty versus beast. <laughs> and I picked you. I guess I was tired of competition. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Oh, Mr. Hope, you're wonderful. Say you'll be the man of my dreams. But, Judy, really, I'm not the kind of man for you. I'm not good enough for you. Well, I pull little dogs' tails, and I take candy away from babies, and once I gave a canary a hot foot. Uh, you're so brave and masterful. Well, maybe I am on the surface, but underneath I'm a no-good guy, Judy. Take my word for it. Hope is a louse. But you're a good louse. Yeah. No, Judy, it's no use. We couldn't get along together. Then you're... You turning me down? Don't take it so hard, Judy. None of the others did. <laughs> All right. You don't have to tell me. I know. It's the old, old story. It's the woman who pays. I'm sorry I bothered you. Now I know how Greta Garbo felt when Robert Taylor left her in Camille. But don't worry about me, Mr. Hope. I'll recover. Time is a great healer. But I won't forget. I never will. Though you're a cat, I love you still. It has to be you. What could you have to be you? Say, Judy. Can a cad say a few words in his own defense before you go? Tell me, why don't you have a crush on someone near your own age? Well, most of the boys I know think I'm only an in-between. You know, not old enough to be a glamour girl and too old to go around with dolls. <laughs> well, I hope I'm never too old to go around with dolls. But you know... <laughs> you know, Judy, I've been having the same trouble you've had. Tell me, do you think I'm old enough for Carol Lombard? Well, of course. Mm, I guess she has some other reason. <laughs> Bad. Well, so long, Mr. Hope. I've got to go now. Judy, you can't get away without giving us one of those garland specials. Well, all right. Would you like to hear Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones? Would I? Let's have it. Hey, Rufus Rasmus Brown, spread the news around, all around the town. About this celebration There's one thing that concerns the nation Glory, hallelujah Get those and the running through ya I am here to say It's a big holiday everywhere For the Jones family has a brand new heir He's the joy heaven sent And we proudly present Mr. Franklin D. Roosevelt 
when he walks down, you never will meet with the name like the name that he got today. When he walks down the street, folks will say, please to meet Mr. Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones. What a smile and how he shows it. He'll be happy all day long. What a name. I'll bet he knows it. Agree. He'll be famous, as famous as he can be. How can he be a dog or a stick in the mud when he's Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones? Go to sleep, my baby, and maybe you'll be a Democrat by and by. Oh, you're a lucky baby with Franklin D. for your name. Mrs. Jones's baby boy is a welcome resident. Give him a pitch rod for a toy. He is the future president. Hooray for young Franklin E. Jones. Give a cheer for the babe of the year. How can he be a dud or a stick in the mud? Just you wait and see. Judy Garland, that really was great. And now, here's a word from Bill Goodwin, who has a crush on Irium. Thank you, Bob. Nearly all toothpaste comes in a tube, keeps fresh, and is pleasant enough to taste. You can expect this from any toothpaste. But Pepsodent toothpaste has all of this, plus an important something the others haven't got. The extra something is Irium. That's the lively super addition that steps up Pepsodent's action, brightens the results. Irium helps Pepsodent remove the unattractive surface stains that cloud over your smile. It brings out the natural luster. At least twice a day, night and morning, every day of your life, brush your teeth with Pepsodent toothpaste with Irium, and you'll quickly be rewarded. It won't be long before you'll say, I never dreamed my teeth could sparkle so. I never knew my mouth could feel so fresh, so clean. It certainly feels grand to have well-groomed teeth. And now Bob Hope brings you his version of that popular new song hit, I Have Eyes. Bob, Bob, shh. Yes, Bill, Bob. Listen, I have a swell idea how we can both make money. No, Bill, this year I want to pay my income tax. <laughs> no, that, that isn't what I mean. I think we ought to become spies. Important spies. Don't be silly, Bill. There's no money in spying. Oh, no? Did you ever see a house detective on relief? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess spying is a good racket if you don't lose your head. You can be famous, Bob. <laughs> really, you can be famous. Think of the great spies in history. Think of Matta Harry. Ah, oh, yes. Matta Harry. And think of Nathan Hale and Jonathan Daly and Benedict Arnold. I can't, Bill. Why not? I'm still thinking of Matta Harry. <laughs> But really, Bill, I couldn't be a spy. I don't know how to act. 
Bob, let's leave your picture work out of this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bill, I'll go into the spy racket with you, but I'll have to get a spy suit. A spy suit? What's that? Oh, it's nothing. You just go out with a bloodhound and a black coat and vest. And what pants? The bloodhound. <laughs> well, come on, Bob. Let's get busy. Okay. The Hope and Goodwin Spy Salon, a snitch in time, pays the rent. <laughs> What's that? Are uh, Hope and Goodwin very good at shadowing people in dark alleys? Well, I should say so. They're real slinkers. No, I said slinkers. <laughs> okay, uh, just a minute. It's for you, Cheese. Cheese, Patsy, that's cheap. Take the script and read it. That's Cheese. Take the script and smell it. <laughs> That's cheese. I'll take the script and eat it. Hello? This is Spy Number 1X reporting from Africa, Chief. Greetings, Spy 1X. Where's Spy 2X? Isn't he with you? No, Chief. The cannibals had 2X for breakfast. <laughs> Come in. Hello? Hello? Hey, Bill. Look, she's beautiful. What grace? Yeah, what form? What telephone number? <laughs> Hello. Hello. My name is Vanya Tanya Sonia Henya Nakranovich Babuchka. Oh, but you can call me Tuski. Well, what do you want with me? Oh, I need help. If you do not help me, I shall have to kill you. Kill me? Kill me? Yes. I will shoot you or stab you or poison you. Or take you in my arms and squeeze you to death. Smothering you with kisses. How would you like that? I like Dot. <laughs> Say, uh, where do you come from, Tootsie Whiskey? I come from the little country of Schlemilia. <laughs> Schlemilia! What a small world this is. Ah, uh, yes. I shall never forget my last day in Schlemilia. Bombs bursting. People were dropping like flies. The streets were covered with blood. Oh, it was so beautiful. I can see. Look, Trotsky, what can I do for you? You must pay me for my cousin, the ambassador from Shlemidia. Rat face the repulsive. Well, what happens if I find him? Undoubtedly, he will kill you. And what happens if I don't find him? Undoubtedly, I will kill you. <laughs> What's in it for me? Uh, either way, you'll be buried with full military honors. Until then, I say, Hello. <laughs> Come on, Patrick, we gotta go to the Slumelian Embassy. Right. Hello? Oh, it's for you, Chief. For me? Hello? Mr. Hope. Yes? Say, listen, you'll never catch me, you old spidery spy, because you're just a ham, and hams can't fly. <laughs> I asked myself this as I slid on my way Is Hope a big dope? Oh, boy, I'll say. <laughs> What are you doing here with me? Just looking over one of my mistakes. <laughs> Come on, Patsy. Let's go to the embassy and meet Ratface the Repulsive. Here we are. This looks like the embassy. Yeah, look at that sign. Embassy of Shamilia. Office hours, 12.30 to 1. Treaties broken Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Goodwin, you stay outside, and if we have any trouble with Ratface, blow up the embassy. Right, Chief. Are you armed? And how? I'm armed to the teeth. Hey, you better not yawn or that club will fall out. Ring the bell, Patsy. Hello? Trotsky. Hopsky. Brunsky. <laughs> no, Patsy, don't run. I'm right behind you. Where's Ratface, Trotsky? Here comes Ratface now! 
amazing to that? Meet a diplomat. <laughs> Why, it's Professor Colonna with a Bay Romaroma. Tell me, are you the ambassador? Ah, yes, and I'm the president, secretary of war, navy, state, interior, exterior. In fact, I'm the whole Schlemiel. <laughs> I can believe that. And who is the little wren with you? <laughs> this, this is Matta Kelly, the international spy. She loves you, Professor. Ah, my little Matta. You've made me so much flatter, and all my cares will scatter because your heart belongs to data. <laughs> Professor, tell me, were you ever caught as an ambassador without portfolio? Ah, yes. Briefcase, wasn't it? <laughs> what has been your worst experience, Professor? Went for no reason. I was held for treason and placed against the wall to be shot. Did they shoot you? I don't know, Nave. I was blindfolded. <laughs> Will you pardon me? I feel a bomb coming on. Ambassador, you've blown up the whole block. Why did you throw that bomb into the street? I love parking space. <laughs> well, Professor, your goose is cooked. Why so, Nave? I can prove that you're a traitor and have been carrying on with the enemy spies, Sonia the snitch. What proof have you? I was in a closet and took a picture of you kissing Sonia. Here, look at the picture. What do you think of that? Mmm, not bad. I'll take a half a dozen. <laughs> come on, come on, Hope. Let's get out of this place. This guy's a screwball. Yes, isn't he? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> I did. And I apologize. Colonna, I'm sorry I insulted you. Silence. I refuse to accept your apology. I am a screwball. Colonna, you are not. I am. All right, you are. Oh, so you admit it. Take that. That's what who's gone. And that. And that. It's nearly midnight. Goodwin should be getting ready to light the fuse. Oh! Hey, look, look! The radio station blew up! Well, I... I carried out your instructions, Bob. But I told you to blow up the embassy. Embassy? Great Scott, I thought you said NBC! <laughs> Thanks for the memory If one more friend we've made With our small cavalcade It's evident that Pepsodent Will keep us on parade So thank you so much Good night, ladies and gentlemen Thank you for listening I hope you'll be with me next week As I uncover more gems From the golden age of radio Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.